This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of synovial facet cyst from the spine section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Synovial facet cysts are degenerative lesions of the lumbar spine that can lead to lumbar spinal stenosis and cause low back pain and radicular symptoms. Diagnosis is made with MRI studies of the lumbar spine. Treatment is a trial of non-operative management with NSAIDs and physical therapy. Surgical management is indicated for progressive disabling pain that has failed non-operative management and or progressive neurological deficits. Now, let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, the incidence of synovial facet cysts is rare. As far as anatomic location, they're usually located in the lumbar spine. 60% to 89% occur at the L4-L5 level, which is the most mobile segment. There's approximately a 14% occurrence at L3-L4, and approximately a 12% occurrence at L5-S1. Moving on to etiology of synovial facet cysts, with respect to pathophysiology, possible etiologies include trauma, which is controversial, micro-instability of the facet leading to extruded synovium through the joint capsules, myxoid degeneration of collagen tissue, and proliferation of fibroblasts with increased hyaluronic acid production. As far as cyst composition, possibilities include ganglion cysts, flavum cysts, serous contents, mucoid contents, and hemorrhagic contents. Associated conditions with synovial facet cysts include degenerative spondylolisthesis. Moving on to the presentation of synovial facet cysts, symptoms include mechanical back pain, radicular symptoms, that is leg pain, and know that rapid onset or sudden deterioration suggests a facet cyst hematoma. Other potential symptoms include neurogenic claudication, which manifests as buttock-slash-leg pain with walking. Moving on to physical exam, on neurovascular evaluation, you may see nerve root deficits at associated spinal levels. Moving on to imaging, recommended views on radiographs include AP, lateral, as well as flexion and extension views of the spine. Findings are usually normal, however, be sure to look for segmental instability. An MRI is indicated in the setting of significant leg pain. As far as views, a synovial facet cyst is best seen on T2 axial and sagittal images. Traditionally, you will see hyperintense centers with hypointense rims on T2 and hypointense inner cores on T1 sequences. You may see peripheral rim enhancement with gadolinium contrast. Know that there's an improved detection rate of synovial facet cysts with positional MRI. There's 89% sensitivity when supine and 97% sensitivity when standing. Cysts increase in size while standing. High signal intensity on T2-weighted images can represent synovial content, and know that there are higher success rates with CT-guided cyst rupture. Low signal intensity on T2-weighted images corresponds to gelatinous or calcified contents. These will have lower success rates with CT-guided cyst rupture. Moving on to treatment, this can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes NSAIDs, rest, immobilization, physical therapy, and epidural steroid injections, as well as CT-guided cyst rupture, facet steroid injection, and cyst injection. Indications for NSAIDs, rest, immobilization, physical therapy, and epidural steroid injections include mild symptoms, it's typically the first-line treatment, and it's also indicated in the setting of radicular pain without motor weakness. As far as outcomes, no natural history studies have been conducted to date. Indications for CT-guided cyst rupture, facet steroid injection, and cyst injection include second-line management after failing conservative measures and radicular symptoms that correlate with facet cyst location. Moving on to outcomes of CT-guided cyst rupture, facet steroid injection, and cyst injection, there's 50 to 75% pain relief at one year, 
and approximately 39% of patients will require surgical intervention at seven months. Operative options include laminectomy with decompression and cystic excision, as well as facetectomy and instrument infusion. Indications for laminectomy with decompression and cystic excision include persistent symptoms despite non-operative management. Other indications include unilateral symptoms, which can be performed in patients with spondylolisthesis with unilateral symptoms as long as they are aware of the higher risk of slip progression. As far as outcomes of laminectomy with decompression and cystic excision, there is a high incidence of recurrent back pain and cyst formation within two years. There is an 80 to 90% success rate in back and leg pain, and there is a risk of iatrogenic spondylolisthesis. Moving on to facetectomy and instrumented fusion, as far as indications, some consider this the first line of surgical treatment due to high recurrence rates. Other indications include symptomatic recurrence following laminectomy with decompression, bilateral symptoms, central canal stenosis, however keep in mind that wider decompression will likely lead to iatrogenic instability. Another indication for facetectomy and instrumented fusion is the presence of instability, for example in the setting of degenerative spondylolisthesis. As far as outcomes of facetectomy and instrumented fusion, this option has been demonstrated to have the lowest risk of persistent back pain and recurrence of cyst formation in recent studies. There is complete resolution of symptoms in 80 to 90% of patients. Now let's go over some of these management techniques in a bit more detail. As far as NSAIDs, rest, immobilization, physical therapy, and epidural steroid injections, this is recommended for six to eight weeks prior to proceeding with surgical treatment or CT-guided rupture. So moving on to the technique for CT-guided cyst rupture, facet steroid injection, and cyst injection, you will have fluoroscopic guidance that is commonly used, and the secondary surgery rate is roughly 50%. CT guidance improves visualization of the spinal anatomy, and there are slightly improved patient outcomes compared to fluoroscopic guidance. Moving on to laminectomy with decompression and cystic excision, the approach is the posterior approach to the spine. The technique involves unilateral laminotomy and medial facetectomy with a high-speed burr. You will then create a plane between the dura and the cyst, you will then grab the cyst with an Alice clamp or forceps and apply gentle traction. You will then separate the cyst from the underlying dura with Epstein curette or Woodson elevator. Finally, moving on to facetectomy and instrumented fusion, the approach is the posterior approach to the spine. The surgical technique involves placing pedicle screws at the intersection of the superior border of the transverse process and midline of the superior process. You will then perform decompressive laminectomy and facetectomy and then excise the cyst after developing the interval between the cyst and the dura. You will perform partial excision in cases of cysts adherent to the dura. Finally, let's end this review session talking about complications of synovial facet cysts, and the ones to know include cyst recurrence, iatrogenic spondylolisthesis, and dural tear. As far as the incidence of cyst recurrence, there is a high incidence of recurrence with resection alone. As far as treatment, new studies favor facetectomy and fusion as the first line of operative treatment. Moving on to iatrogenic spondylolisthesis, risk factors include decompressive laminectomy without fusion. Treatment is a posterior instrumented fusion plus or minus spondylolisthesis reduction. Finally, moving on to dural tear, risk factors include revision surgery and cyst adherent to the dura. Know that 50 to 55% of cases have the facet cyst adherent to the dura. Limited cyst resection in these cases minimizes dural tear risk. Remember that partial cystic excision results in 88% success rate for lumbar spinal stenosis while minimizing the risk of dural tear. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, 
A 65-year-old patient with a history of spinal stenosis presents with worsening right leg pain and weakness for eight months. Physical exam reveals weakness with great toe extension. The patient has attempted NSAIDs and physical therapy with a limited improvement of symptoms. Lateral flexion and extension radiographs of the lumbar spine show increased angulation and anterior translation of the L4 vertebral body compared to L5, suggesting instability. An axial T2-weighted MRI of the lumbar spine at L4-5 depicts a right-sided synovial facet cyst with lateral recess stenosis and facet joint effusions bilaterally, also suggesting instability of the spinal segment. What is the most appropriate step in treatment? And the choices are 1. Synovial facet cyst aspiration. 2. Anterior lumbar interbody fusion. 3. Continued physical therapy. 4. Laminectomy and cyst excision with instrumented fusion at L4-5. And 5. Laminectomy at L4-5. The correct answer to this question is 4. Laminectomy and cyst excision with instrumented fusion at L4-5. So the patient is presenting with a symptomatic synovial facet cyst causing lateral recess stenosis due to lumbar degenerative spondylolisthesis at L4-5 that is radiographically unstable. The best treatment option would be a laminectomy, cyst excision with instrumented fusion. To quickly review, synovial facet cysts are rare causes of radiculopathy and are the result of extruded synovium from the facet joints similar to a ganglion cyst. They commonly occur in the presence of degenerative spondylolisthesis with the most common segment involving L4-5. The mass effect of the cysts results in lateral recess stenosis causing symptoms in the traversing nerve root. Initial treatment involves conservative treatment including physical therapy and anti-inflammatory medications. Refractory patients usually require surgical excision of the cyst with an instrumented fusion of the involved segment, as the presence of instability potentiates the recurrence of the cyst. Schwang et al. performed a meta-analysis regarding the percutaneous resolution of synovial facet cysts. Of the included studies included in the analysis, there was a 55.8% success rate with 38.67% of patients requiring surgical treatment of the facet cyst for adequate relief. The authors concluded that percutaneous treatments of synovial facet cysts are potential options, but identification of the proper surgical candidates need to be elucidated. Kulkarni et al. performed a retrospective study evaluating radiographic parameters of segmental stability and outcomes for patients undergoing microscopic unilateral laminotomy and cystectomy. They found that patients without instability evident on flexion and extension radiographs, as well as coronally oriented facets, had significant improvement in visual analog scores and Oswestry disability index scores, and no postoperative instability after unilateral laminotomy and cystectomy. They concluded that unilateral laminotomy and cystectomy is a successful treatment option in patients who lack radiographic instability and who possess coronally oriented facets, but fusion should be performed when instability is present. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, synovial facet cyst aspiration is associated with a low success rate. Answer 2, anterior lumbar interbody fusion would provide indirect decompression and stability to the slip segment, but would not address the synovial facet cyst and the associated lateral recess stenosis. Answer 3, continued physical therapy is unlikely to provide this patient with added benefit as they have failed six months of non-operative treatment. And finally, answer 5, a laminectomy would not address the facet cyst and would further destabilize the unstable segment. And moving on to the final question. A 55-year-old man presents with low back pain that has progressed over the last year. He reports the pain is worse with activity, especially when bending forward and lifting objects. He denies any pain in the buttocks or lower extremities. 
On physical, he has age-appropriate motion in the lumbar spine. He is neurologically intact in the lower extremities. A T2-weighted MRI shows a synovial facet cyst arising from the arthritic left L3-L4 facet joint. It occupies much of the space in the spinal canal and indents and displaces the thecal sac. A histological sample of this lesion would most likely show, and the choices are 1, dense, compact, concentric lamellae of fibrocollagenous tissue with occasional fibroblast-like chondrocytes, 2, semifluid gelatinous matrix with oval chondrocytes, 3, ossified nidus surrounded by a radiolucent halo, in turn surrounded by dense reactive osteosclerosis, 4, irregular fascicles of collagenous stroma with pleomorphic cells with foamy cytoplasm and marked atypia in a storiform pattern, and 5, synovial cells covering a stroma with vascular granulation tissue. The correct answer to this question is 5, synovial cells covering a stroma with vascular granulation tissue. So the clinical presentation is consistent with a synovial cyst. Histology would most likely show synovial cells covering a stroma with vascular granulation tissue. To quickly review, juxtafacet cysts may include synovial cysts or ganglion cysts. Synovial cysts are lined with epithelium or cuboid synovial cells and contain clear or xanthochromic fluid. Ganglion cysts, which have no synovial lining, and contain gelatinous material from myxoid degeneration of the fibrous adventitial tissue. Zhu et al. reviewed the treatment of 195 synovial cysts. They found that patients treated with laminectomy had the highest risk of cyst recurrence at 3%. In contrast, decompression with instrumented fusion had the lowest incidences of cyst recurrence at 0% or back pain, although they had the longest hospital stay and greatest blood loss. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, dense, compact, concentric lamellae of fibrocollagenous tissue with occasional fibroblast-like chondrocytes is incorrect as this describes the histology of the annulus fibrosis. Answer 2, semifluid gelatinous matrix with oval chondrocytes is incorrect as this describes the histology of the nucleus pulposus. Answer 3, ossified nidus surrounded by a radiolucent halo in turn surrounded by dense reactive osteosclerosis is incorrect as this describes the histology of an osteoid osteoma. And finally, four irregular fascicles of collagenous stroma with pleomorphic cells with foamy cytoplasm and marked atypia in a storiform pattern is incorrect, as this describes the histology of a malignant fibrous histiocytoma or pleomorphic soft tissue sarcoma. That's all for this review about a synovial facet cyst. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.